The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. And welcome back to a brand new month and a brand new edition of Last Word on Sports Media Podcast. I am TJ Reeves. Welcome to the month of May and the postseasons in both the NBA and the NHL heating up. We've got a Kentucky Derby this week. We've got an Indianapolis 500 at the end of the month. We've got Major League Baseball in full swing. We put the NFL draft to bed. Thank goodness uh, on that after uh, this past weekend, although staggering how much audience was there and over 15 million people watching uh, on all the platforms on the Thursday night. Uh, Incredible how much interest there is in that event for sure. Anyway, thank you for finding us however you've done so uh, through a social media link, through the Last Word on Sports Media Watch uh, podcast feed, uh, through uh, lastwordonsports.com slash podcast, wherever you have found this show. Thank you. Make sure you're subscribing. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. We are out overnight, Tuesdays into Wednesday. Of course, we are on the feed uh, with other shows. That includes George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast. Great storytelling uh, podcast. Insight on broadcasters from the highest level, usually with a Chicago slant or at least a tie to Chicago. George in the best of mode right now. We're on the best of episode that is out this week, most recently on this podcast feed. You're hearing excerpts from the likes of Cubs manager Joe Madden, uh, Fox Sports and Chicago White Sox broadcaster Jason Bonetti, a Big Ten network analyst and former Illinois football star uh, Howard Griffith, and much more as part of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. By the way, coming next week is Ozzie Guillen, the vibrant former World Series winning manager of the Chicago White Sox on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. He hops in and out of uh, the likes of Kevin Harlan right now, who's prominent for the NBA playoff coverage on TNT. Uh, You go back in the archive and hear people like Michael Wilbon and Bob Costas and then Chicago personalities like Mike North off the sports radio for 30-plus years in Chicago and on and on down the list. Great job by George. Uh, Later in the week, Mike Gill, Phil DeMont Mullen here, the announcer's schedules podcast. Love the insight of those guys on who's doing it well at the national level uh, with the television and radio coverage of uh, of sports, whether it's the NBA playoffs right now, the Stanley Cup playoffs, the NFL draft coverage. Mike and Phil are all over it. Great guests on that podcast as well. Their podcast out usually on Thursday uh, here as part of the last word on sports media podcast feed so you'll hear them later in the week and obviously you want to be following or subscribing because we put up different interviews for example after the announcer schedules podcast with mike and phil last week uh mike gill had the chance to interview steve levy of espn about the nhl stanley cup playoff coverage his time as the monday night football a lead broadcaster you get interviews like that automatically if you're following or subscribing 
Uh, you heard from Charles Davis of the NFL Network on the NFL Draft with us. Recently, Sean McDonough of ESPN on with us as well on the podcast feed. So make sure you're following or subscribing. To that end, in just a few minutes, a special guest here momentarily uh, with me, a longtime friend and colleague of mine, one of my good friends in sports media is Jonathan Grella. Jonathan based out of the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, Jonathan, with a big background not only in politics, where he formerly was the vice president uh, or actually the communications head for the office of Congressman Tom DeLay of Texas. DeLay was the House Minority Leader at the time that Jonathan was in and around with him. But Jonathan, also the vice president of communications with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, running the PR department in and around the Bucs uh, back in the late uh, 2000s, the early 2010s. Uh, Jonathan's got an extensive background in public relations and consulting, and he's going to come at a couple of interesting things. Number one, he's a Jets guy. So we're back talking Aaron Rodgers again, going to the Jets. And Aaron Rodgers now, since we released this podcast, has met with the media. Jonathan will tell you about him, how he did with the media, how it will play in New York. Can, can this be a Brady replica situation uh, for the Jets? Can it can it be what it became for Matt Stafford uh, coming to the L.A. Rams to win a championship the following year in 2021? Will it be more like Russell Wilson of 2022 coming from Seattle to Denver? Jonathan kind of has his reservations. Of course, Jet fans have their reservations. So he'll talk some about that. But then Jonathan's got interesting insight on how the media perceives the NFL draft versus what a team is up to and how the team perceives that he knows that from the inside. And I can share the same thing having worked uh, now for close to 20 years on the inside with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as part of their radio broadcast, coaches show, players shows, relationships I have. Again, uh, teams uh, evaluate their draft board, have their scouts, have their front office discussions, evaluate this for weeks and months. And a a lot of the media speculation in the mock drafts is just that. It's just speculation. It's noise. So Jonathan's got more on that. We'll talk with him about all of those subjects uh, in and around uh, pro football and then a little conversation about Succession, the HBO smash hit show of which he and I are big fans of. Brian Cox, the actor, no, not the former football player, Brian Cox with the Miami Dolphins flipping birds at the Buffalo Bills. We're talking about Brian Cox, the actor as Logan Roy, the famed character, the the billionaire head of the fictitious uh, company that has multimedia, has a cable network, has all kinds of uh, entities. They're billionaires and his dysfunctional descendants and who's going to end up running the company if and when Logan Roy dies. And that's been part of the plot line now for the final season, season four of that successful show that has tens of millions of people watching it on HBO uh, and what's now going to be HBO Max. So anyway, Jonathan Grella here in a few moments. want to tell you another thing uh, in terms of housekeeping before we get to that conversation that we will be starting soon on this podcast feed. Another reason to subscribe. If you found us through lastwordonsports.com or through a social media link, Make sure you're following or subscribing because coming soon will be the last word on sports media daily, Monday through Friday. It will be with you midday every day with the news of the day, a short, brief synopsis of what's going on with some takes, some opinions, some ratings, the news that's happening. The last word on sports media daily debuts soon. Stand by for that on this podcast feed as well. And, and when we're done with the conversation with Jonathan, I'll play a little love it or leave it about uh, ratings, about the playoffs, about the different things that are going on in all different sports. What I love 
what I don't love so much. All of that still to come. But without further delay, let's get into our conversation uh, right now with our guest here on The Last Word on Sports Media. I think you'll find this highly uh, informative and entertaining from a couple of different perspectives. Let's get to it. Oh, I've been excited ever since he agreed to hop on. It has been a while, and it has been a while that we have not primarily at the forefront of our conversations been talking Villanova Final Four basketball when we have Jonathan Grella uh, on board. But nonetheless, uh, the Villanova season wasn't a bad season. It's a transitional season. We've gotten past that. Uh, Jonathan Grella is now here to not only wax about his New York Jets, but to give great insight and stories about being on the other side of the media, being in the corporate communications, the PR department of an NFL team, and dealing with the media and a draft pick, et cetera, because he did that for three years with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is where I got to know him and we remained friends. Mm-hmm. We're we're bonded that way, Jonathan Grella. We're bonded through like professional wrestling that will probably come up. We are bonded probably. through succession on HBO, which absolutely yes. will come up. How you been? How you feeling? Great, TJ. How are you, bud? Uh, I'm hanging in there after all the different Buccaneer draft picks from all the different directions, including the Bucs going back to the well on a small school guy with long red hair as an offensive lineman and no front teeth, like straight out of slap shot or out of pro wrestling. Cody Mauk is his name, and uh, we look forward to seeing what he can do out of the same ilk of Ali Marpet, a Division Three offensive lineman that everybody was going, what are the Bucs doing? The Bucs ended up taking a Pro Bowl caliber Helped them win the Super Bowl offensive linemen. Uh, they've done this with smaller school linemen. But anyway, the the draft, we're digesting all of this. Let's begin at the top. Allegiance is on the table. Jonathan's a New York Jets guy through and through. So much so you're in green while I'm talking. Was that on purpose or just uh, coincidental for the conversation? Have you been I, wearing green ever since the Rogers trade? Purely coincidental. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that one. Uh, but... <laughs> It's been a very interesting time, and especially with the with the Rogers stuff culminating in the draft uh, as a chaser, uh, made for an exciting stretch. Uh, I don't know what's going to keep me warm between now and September, but um, this might help. Uh, this is back to the future. Uh, we talked about this on the podcast last week with Danielle McCartan of WFAN, and she's a little great. younger. Yep, and she's a little younger. And this was right before you came to the Buccaneers as the vice president of communications as PR director. Uh, that the Bucks thought they maybe had Brett Favre, but it's the Jets that ended up with Brett Favre as the Packers elected to trade him out of the NFC. And 15 years later, the Packers trade their quarterback to the Jets out of the NFC and into the AFC. Uh, what do you make of that symmetry, by the way? I mean, it, it's crazy. It's cool. I wish we had some homegrown talent once in a while. And uh, man, it you you know the list of, your Zach Wilson's and Sam Darnold's and even Geno Smith. And uh, you always like to throw Christian Hackenberg and Bryce Petty and all those other guys uh, on the pile. Um, but uh, it's great to have a legend in our midst, but I would I obviously would prefer to have done this the proper way where you get a, the, the, you know, prevailing model these days is with a, a, a uh, rookie contract quarterback uh, and then build, build that team around them. But as we said after the Stafford Super Bowl and the Brady Super Bowl in Tampa, that uh, that they are teaching franchises bad lessons and and, and uh, thinking that they could go out and just go uh, buy a mercenary quarterback and plug and play and win a Super Bowl. And that it's not always how it works. 
Um, but there is some precedent for it recently. So fingers crossed that we could win the wrong way. Uh, in terms of Rogers meeting with the media, which has happened since last, we've released the last word on sports media podcast, put the, put the hat on of the person working for the team and how you thought he did. How do you think the Jets thought he did from a team standpoint? Uh, he's his own guy. I get that. But what, what yeah. did you think? Yeah, it's really tough. Uh, guys like that who are well-established and come into town with with an aura and um, some gravitas around them are, are that much harder to coach. Uh, they probably don't want the, co- the PR coaching of got this. Um, I've forgotten more interviews than, than you've ever you know, done. And, uh, and they're right. Um, but you want to help around the margins, just like, um, just like our, our boy on succession did with, um, did with, uh, uh, Kendall before, uh, before his uh, performance at the board meeting. Um, so Carl, Carl, my boy, Carl did his, be- did his best to get, get his words in edgewise, but got quickly shot down. Um, that's, that's how it probably went with Rogers. Look, Rogers is, is an eccentric guy, which is what you call, a you know, uh, a strange person who happens to be wealthy. Uh, and, uh, you know, he probably doesn't take much coaching that said he did a fabulous job. The hard part is not now, right? He, he, uh, now we're in the honeymoon period and, and, um, and everything's lovely. Uh, wait until they, you know, lose two games in a row, uh, or, or you, you know how it goes. Uh, things will get sour quickly. And um, and the media will will not think twice about um, about questioning him, questioning the acquisition, et cetera. And uh, so so the the for better or worse part of of, of the vows um, will we'll test the the worst down the road. Uh, let's let's see how things go in October, um, where, where things stand. And, and hopefully this this thing holds up and, and does what it's designed to do. But um, right now is the easy part. But he did a great job. Um, and, and I think you might also have a dynamic here, unlike um, most players, there's very few, and Brady's one of them, where they they come in with such a reputation for you know for being a legend that the press corps are intimidated by them almost, and 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 certainly will be loath to challenge them to their face, and will probably want to cultivate them so that they can write a book about him, you know, in a few years. <laughs> which is how these things go usually um, and, and won't want to cross them. And guys like he are, are easy to cross and they're going to feel crossed even when a reporter doesn't feel like they're crossing them. All right. On that point, do you believe speculate that if the losses start a couple of them early, that sports radio will savage him, the columnists will savage him or might for what you just alluded to last, it is a long season and might they be willing because there's more in mind here of this guy's a bigger deal than Zach Wilson, Bryce Petty, Sam Darnold, Christian Hackenberg. Give it a give it a few games because they could still be a playoff team and just get him in the tournament and they could be dangerous. How do you think that will go speculating with the New York media? What do you think? Well, first of all, a lot of the, a lot of what we see in sports media used to be just sports radio, and now it's everywhere where things are done for effect, right? And and going back to pro wrestling, um, you know, villains try to draw heat, and that's you know, think of your favorite radio show host, and and you know, the Skip Baylesses and Stephen A's of the world. 
Um, not to say they're insincere, um, but there's some shtick involved and you want to light up those phone lines, right? You want to get clicks. And, and so um, having a very um, a nuanced opinion doesn't get you very far nowadays and having a very stark one will. So um, if, if the media wants to take a roundabout way and say that Woody Johnson and Joe Douglas, you know, um, maybe overestimated, you know, how ready the team was to contend and they, and they critique everyone but the player himself, um, that's a possibility. I'm already thinking of ways this could go south. Um, which is, you know, you're a part Jet of, fan because oh, you're yeah, a Jet exactly. fan. Yes. Exactly right. So, uh, but, but one interesting thing though, TJ, to bring you back to my Bucks experience is um, one of the um, longtime beat writers for the Bucks um, had, had moonlit um, during the work stoppage um, in the early 2010s um, and had to cover the Rays. And he was, and I was asking about the differences between covering baseball and football as an avid sports fan generally. And he explained to me that, that with football, the sky's falling when you lose, because you have seven, seven days before you get to redeem yourself. And he said in baseball, you know, you could lose 14 to two, you know, on one night and then, and then play at, at one Oh five the next day and, and win two to one and all's fine in the world. Uh, and so um, you're going to see exaggerated reactions, especially in New York. Uh, and uh, look, expectations are, are good and bad. All these Jets fans are clamoring for respect and are, are you know, sweating power rankings now and, 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 and Vegas odds on, on who's going to win the Super Bowl. But they might end up wishing, wishing we were a little bit under the radar, which is seemingly impossible with this guy. We're going to get the max amount of primetime games and hype and, all, and scrutiny. Um, and that's what, that's what happens with the big You boy were team. going over this with me. On the last time on Monday Night Football, ESPN, obviously, Sunday Night Football, NBC, I thought it was more recent than what it is because it's the New York media market. Uh, and so how many times is it recently on Monday night or Sunday night? How long have the droughts been for the Jets? I think the Sunday night uh, the, the Sunday night on NBC has been since the butt fumble. Right, which I believe that, that was even a Thanksgiving night on NBC. Uh, I don't even think you know, that you're was right. a Sunday right. night. That is a Thanksgiving night. So the last time they the were reason on I NBC remember was... the reason I remember that while we digress for a second, but this is good for sports media. So let me pull the curtain back a little bit on me. So uh, at that point, what was that year? Was that right before you came to Tampa Bay, or right around? Were you already here well, at Tampa Bay was, Buccaneer? Right around there. I think I was still there. All right. So that is Thanksgiving. We're all doing our Thanksgiving thing with the families. And at that time, I was freelancing for Fox Sports Radio as the national host out of my house, whatever year that butt fumble was after Sanchez had been drafted. And so in that case, I was on, I believe the shift was something like 10p to 2 a.m. on Thanksgiving night. Somebody's got to do it. Not a glamorous thing. However, the NFL has been playing all day. So you're essentially doing an NFL postgame show. And there are fans. There are fans. There are people in their cars that are driving, especially in the in the mountain and western time zones. They're maybe driving back from, from having Thanksgiving afternoon with their families. Okay, so there's people there. There's callers there. And the reason I remember that was Thanksgiving night is, uh, again, I was doing this remotely out of my home. Little did we know what this would all become 10 years later where almost right. everybody does everything remotely, just like you and I are talking to each other remotely right here. I'm doing the national show based in Los Angeles out of my house in Tampa Bay as a freelance guy. You remember I would do this all the time on Saturday nights mm -hmm. 
regularly uh, while while covering Buccaneer games uh, as well. And I still remember saying to the producer off the air, maybe I've had too much turkey or whatever, but did he just run into the offensive lineman and then fumbled? And the producer's like, my God, that's exactly what just happened. Well, I don't know if we were in a break or if a caller was talking or whatever, but I'm hitting the, I'm off the air communication saying to him, did he just smack into the offensive lineman? Holy Thanksgiving craziness. So you just jogged me <laughs> on when that was. but so 2012. Sun- 2012. So Sunday night football has not been around pre-pandemic even. How far do we have to go back on Sunday night? With I mean, it's, it's at least five or six years. Oh, must be longer. Um, <laughs> Seems and, that way anyway. And then Monday nights, uh, you get one every, every other year, let's say. You get one. And Thursday night, you get the pity primetime game. Uh, but but now they're going to get the full compliment. Last time on Sunday night is 2012. 11 years ago, the last time at that time, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, now Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, that is 11 years ago. And Monday night, I do remember the I've game. I've been waiting the, all decade for Sunday night. <laughs> a very nice line from Jonathan Grella. I do remember the Monday night game with the Patriots and Joe Flacco at quarterback because the Jets were actually winning a lot of that game I believe that was empty stadium, maybe 2020, uh, with uh, Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and uh, Brian Greasy. Brian because Greasy, Flack, yeah. Flacco threw the inexplicable interception, and they just they lost their minds, and rightfully so, where he threw a long pass interception when they should have been milking the clock, and it allowed the, the Patriots to tie it and eventually win the game uh, at the very end. Very strange. So that it's more recent for Monday night. But as you said, they'll probably be on Sunday night when the schedule comes out at least a couple yeah. of times scheduled. And yeah. Monday night, it can be no more than two, right? Two is the I maximum. think they get a total of six primetime games is the max. And the max and is they'll two. Get, they'll get the, the full Brady treatment when he came to Tampa. Um, I would expect that. And, you know, as fun as that is for, for um, us fans, you know, that that's a disruption in routine that a team has to be ready for, as you know, because – Coaches especially are creatures of habit and they like consistency. They were up to them. They play every game at, at the same time every week. Um, so all that's going to bring a new level of, of uh, you know, a test uh, to this young squad. And by the way, they are going to implement this. It's not for this season, but there's going to be a Monday night flex coming, which some of the yeah. owners are are opposed to it. And I get it. And they didn't ask yeah. me. They didn't ask you. But when you're saying to people, the game is on Monday night, the game is on Monday night, and people make travel arrangements and hotel sure. arrangements to come in from out of market, and then the week before you're telling them the game is not on Monday night, the game right. is now Sunday at 1 o'clock. I mean, for the fans that are paying through the nose on flight, hotel, tickets, uh, there's got, and I know, uh, I believe one of the Maras, one of the Mara family in New York spoke up and said, we can't do this to fans. So, but I have a feeling it's coming. The Monday night flex of move the games back. It's in the deal uh, for them to be able to do that. I love Jonathan Grella's insight. Um, the Jag public affairs is where you find him. Uh, okay. So when Aaron Rodgers, take me, take me inside your head, watching this and put on the PR communications hat. Aaron Rodgers is a frequent guest on Pat McAfee's show, his live video slash audio show that in a lot of ways has bigger audience maybe than a lot of uh, than a lot of other ancillary programs down the middle. So he's on there and a lot of times 
he's riffing about everything. Put your PR hat on. Is that just cringeworthy when the Packers were watching this? Now when the Jets will be watching this? Are you ready on speed dial to do damage control with the media as soon as he says something? How does that work in the current atmosphere that we're now in when this guy is regularly on that show and letting loose on all subjects and may even be letting loose on the current situation with his own team and his teammates? I'll share I'll share something I shouldn't uh, for two reasons. Uh, I texted somebody, and I, I won't name any names, who works for Aaron Rodgers' former team and uh, reminded this person of uh, something – that a lot of us have read in a bathroom stall that said, no matter how hot she is, somebody somewhere is sick of her shit. And, <laughs> and, and that's, that's how things ended in green Bay where they were, they were tired of that, that routine. And especially, uh, you know, a, um, a staid conservative organization like the Packers uh, look, you know, a PR director, any, any comms professional wants to control as many things as they can um, to, um, you know, to ensure, you know, that they don't have any explaining to their bosses. They, they want to control as much of the messages as they can. So it is a loss of control. It's another way to view it, which is an opportunity. Um, and you're bringing your player, your star to a new audience unfiltered. And for those of us, and, and I am certainly one of them who complain about the, the bias and the skewing of the media filter, um, having the chance for your your star player to go on McAfee and speak directly to the fans is uh, is is has value. So um, lest you get too upset about the player, you know, talking about um, stuff he shouldn't be talking about. Uh, do understand that there there are some benefits that that come with him, uh, you know, going rogue and and booking his own interviews. So uh, he's he's a grizzled vet right just like you you'd give him the latitude to call audibles at the line um you know he's gonna have he's gonna be given latitude to call audibles in the media sphere as well so um look i i wouldn't i wouldn't say this was a good course for most players um there there's also something we said too tj we mentioned you know star power and and how and being on this this next level of stardom um there's also there's also a type of celebrity who just doesn't care and, and is sort of, I would say, semi-immune to cancel, cancellation. And, and Aaron Rodgers is sort of in that category because if you are not heat sensitive, if you say to uh, media and, and a, lot of, a lot of the establishment, you know, I, I don't care much for your opinion. In fact, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't view you as an expert at all. Um, then you're you're taking away their power and then you can get away with a whole bunch of stuff. So I mean that's that's think about the secret or if sauce. You say, that, or if you say to Adam Schefter, lose my number, for example, which got a lot of play on all the reporting and misreporting. I just saw a great t-shirt which I was thinking about getting. It's a green uh Jets shirt and with the Jets um font it said on it lose my number um in honor of Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> I, I got a kick out of it. I like Adam very much, but but of course um Man, that 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 was a that was a dart. Um, so, anyhow, so yeah, you you make your own rules when you're, when you're of that certain stature, and, sure. and if you if you act like you don't care, um, and I'm not saying he doesn't care because I happen to know he's you know he's he's thin skinned and prickly as you if you're paying attention, you could tell um, he's acerbic when he when he wants to be, but he doesn't he doesn't sweat 
um, you know, all of the blowback he got over the vaccination stuff. And, you know, he's just going to speak his mind and not trim his sails at all. And somebody asked him during his introductory press conferences whether he was going to tone things down in light of the fact that he was now in New York. And, and you know, what, what answer is there other than no, of course not. Right, exactly. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. On that one, and I can just relate it down here. You remember, and a lot of the media members are still the same media members. Uh, so, for example, we'll pull the curtain back just a little bit on Tom Brady being here. I keep saying this to people. I never interviewed Tom Brady one-on-one, Jonathan Grella once. Which is unreal. Okay. Yeah. It does seem unreal from a media standpoint. But understand, he never did that with the radio people in New England either. Uh, he didn't do local TV interviews, at least in the latter part or most of his career. He did not do one-on-one things. The only time that you were getting access to him was during the team availability on a podium during the week or on the podium after the game or whatever he would choose to do with his own deal. One of the things he did in Boston is they did a deal where they were paying him substantially at WEEI, the sports radio station. And I mean, capital S underlined substantially to come on and do a 10 minute radio segment on the phone Mm -hmm. with the morning guys on what he thought on the game. So again, here in Tampa Bay, we didn't get one-on-one opportunities. So what that would lend itself to is a lot of times after the game, he wasn't giving very long press conferences. And I think by design, you're stupid not to think this, it was everybody tune into my Monday night podcast with Jim Gray on Sirius XM and on the podcast outlets. To wit, the Tampa Bay media was having to be at the ready to transcribe anything and everything. He I'm said. sure they love that. Oh, they hated it. But this is part of the gig because yep. now he's suddenly talking in depth about what went wrong on the final drive in the fourth quarter or what yeah. went right that he didn't give you 24 hours before after the game, or he's telling you suddenly about 
something that came up during the game, a player, something, and they're having to sit and transcribe and listen and go back over and put it out on social media and put it out on the web. The local news down here, Jonathan, is running Tom Brady's audio, showing highlights of the game and saying, courtesy, Brady, let's go podcast, Sirius XM. Because this is how we've evolved. These these players, the mega stars, have realized I can I can play this as I am my own media. I can monetize that, and then you can get my comments while I make money without filter. Without, without filter. filter. Right. Right. And in, and in fairness, the Brady one, they don't really go over social issues per se, political things or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's mainly the game. It's mainly stuff around the league, but it's things that he isn't necessarily giving you after a game in a post-game uh, press conference. So I just thought I would share and yeah. relate that a little bit too as it relates to him. All right, let's move along because you were fascinated by something in this draft and the coverage of the draft and the media standpoint of the draft. What would the Houston Texans do at number two after everybody's foregone conclusion that Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, would go to the Carolina Panthers, which means we'll see him in the NFC South with the Buccaneers, the Falcons, and the Saints for the next few years. So Bryce Young goes to number one. Everybody had that. My twins, who aren't yet 15 but about to be, my twin girls, they had that. Everybody had that. So the question became, what would Houston do at two in need of a quarterback, first-year coach in need of a lot of things? So as it turns out, they do end up taking C.J. Stroud, the quarterback of Ohio State. And we can go into a whole thing about Ohio State quarterbacks while well, you were talking about jet quarterbacks in the laundry list. But you were fascinated by the narratives and how the Texans may have used that to their benefit, may have played the media a little bit, and then what they ended up doing, which is trading back up to number three and picking back-to-back when they did it Thursday. So give me some insight and give me your thoughts on what the Texans did and how they may have leveraged the media some on this. Um. A lot of thoughts. There's a Patriots tie in here too, of course, TJ with Nick Casario and uh, you know, a comment that was made, I was glad it was made on air because it, it, it certainly crossed my mind, which was, you know, how do these many mock drafts, you know, and there's so many and so many iterations of each, of each one, um, how do they get populated uh, through scouts and agents and GMs and, and folks like that? For an organization that, um, you know, that is, has lineage to the, the Belichick school uh, and, and Nick Casario, um, they don't, they don't leak from there. So whether they were going to pick Stroud or not, there was seemingly a lack of, of sources and, and information flow to the media about what, what was going to happen at two. Uh, so that that sets the table for the whole thing. The other thing that that you find very interesting almost every draft season, and you remember obviously um, uh, based on uh, my Jets fandom, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. and everybody thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be number one generational quarterback, best prospect since Andrew Luck, and, and Zach Wilson's going to be number two. But wait, is there any chance? And then it reverts back to Trevor Lawrence, right? You know, it's like a roller coaster ride where it has its ups and downs, but it ends up at the same place it started. And so, so all of that, you know, it makes you feel for the, for the young man. And I do, especially when the reason why he was rumored to 
be falling, even though there was no falling. It's not like there were several versions of the actual draft. It was speculation and conventional wisdom changed over the course of the spring, not the actual standing of the player. Um, and, you know, you couldn't prove that even if it had happened. But but they were like, oh, you know, how far is he going to fall? His stock has fallen because of this new cog- cognitive uh, cognitive test, uh, S2. Uh, right. And, and, you know, and I, and I believe there's a place for tests like that. I'm not bashing the test. Um, but it was a shame, though, that that this young man who's who's supposed to be enjoying the most. I mean, this is the coolest period of, of you know, his life. Right. Uh, this is a dream coming true that he's being dogged as less than intelligent, um, which is which stinks. And he's not really in a position to say very much. And then eventually when he does say something, he it, it wasn't quite the right thing to say and the right and you messenger and it wasn't the right message um when he did so it was it was a really unfortunate situation um you know we could have uh we were all dumber for having heard all that speculation for months um (laughs) i award you zero points and may god have mercy on your soul (laughs) well and the other thing that i was thinking when you said that is the will levis exact opposite article uh uh, uh, example which is Levis was believed to be a top five pick according to all of the 893 mock drafts or 6,207 of them, how many of them there were. It was believed almost a foregone conclusion. He's going to be the third quarterback taken. He's going to be in the top, maybe the second. He's going to be in the top five. And then suddenly you get to the real process. and, And what we begin to find out is numerous NFL teams have question marks on him. They have question marks about his health. Supposedly, it's come out after the fact that there was a toe injury that's now got some teams concerned or spooked. And you know how this works, too, being on the inside of an NFL team once you get to get around on draft night as well. Now teams start wondering when the process is in real time going on, what do they know that we don't know that they just passed on him? What does team number two know that we don't know? Why is no one traded in front of us up to the third or the fifth or the seventh spot to get this guy when they – that team behind us needs a quarterback and they haven't made a trade and haven't moved up or and they that- were all, all they were all in the same um, on the same page about the guy. And that he was always a second round, always a flawed prospect. So this, this brings to mind a couple of examples, one jets, of course, and one bucks, of course, um, with regard to the jets this year, right? Because of Makai Becton's injuries, everybody. And I mean, 99% of mock drafts, and I read them all, mm-hmm. um, had had mocked a left tackle to the Jets. And sure, it, it's what most of us wanted, including myself. So when they don't end up with a left tackle, the narrative became they got jumped, which they may have, right? But this narrative was not perpetuated by the Jets. I even heard the Jets get criticized on air for saying this is what happens when you telegraph your maneuvers ahead of time. Like, I don't think that they put it out there like, Hey, everybody, if you see a good left tackle, let us know. That was not (laughs) it. Right. It was, it was like evident. Right. Which brings me back to my bucks days. And as you may recall, Akib Tlaib, who, you know, was a first round pick 
Mm-hmm. And uh, later went on to win Super Bowls and for a minute was in, you know, was in the booth and, you know, at, turned his career around. But he, at the time, he was young and, and, and um, you know, a little bit of a firecracker and get, got himself in trouble a, a bunch of times, right? Which led a lot of media to speculate that the Bucks were going to draft a corner for sure in the first round of, of this um, 2012 draft. And and everybody had mocked Morris Claiborne from LSU because Ron Cooper, I guess, was the DB coach for the Bucks, and they were sure of it. Take it to the bank. Of course, did Buck, not happen. Bucks picking in the top ten. Claiborne, a top ten. Morris Claiborne out of LSU, a top ten believed to be pick. So I remember at that time, a lot of the, a lot of people believed. There's the marriage. Everyone. There's yeah. the marriage. And so continue to follow up on that because the marriage never got to the altar it never happened it just never got to the altar right and 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 so teams always know more than the rest of us and you know i know there's a famous you know meme or clip about uh jets fans where where they assume when when the jets make a bad draft pick that the team knows more than than the rest of us do and and you defer to them uh you know foolishly but the truth of the matter is that that oftentimes um, these decisions are made with with way more information than we could ever possibly know, and and who knows what the Jets' level of comfort with Makai Becton's health is. Let me is. give you let me give you yeah. one on on your point is yeah. that in that year, while we pulled this back again for the fans that are listening to us to talk about media, the media is going crazy about Morris Claiborne, the LSU player. Luke Keekley was also available as a linebacker and the bucks did not take him that year either what was a big factor was the previous coach whose name i don't mention anymore and i don't think you have a problem with that the previous coach had gotten an earful from one bill belichick about mark Barron, the alabama defensive back because bill belichick is tight with a lot of coaches including nick saban especially and and the fact that mark Barron. Uh, was a highly regarded, highly successful national championship defensive back, one of the defensive captains on the Alabama Crimson Tide. That that outweighed the family aspect you're referring to or even looking at a linebacker on another team that maybe doesn't have the Belichick seal, the Belichick endorsement, the Saban endorsement. So that's sometimes how these work, and the media is none the wiser that the, the Buccaneers were always looking at Mark Barron in that top 10, it was just a matter of whether or not he was still going to be there. That's how these uh, these things work. Hey, give me some insight to uh, a couple more things, and then we're going to move on. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and you've been great with me here so far. Um, as the uh, PR head, as the vice president of communications, there's a misconception, at least in your case and in probably 99% of the cases, you're not in that war room the entire time with those guys, right? No, you get, you, you're with your team, um, usually in another war room where you're all preparing for anything that might happen, announcing trades, uh, the pick of, you know, any number of players. And a lot of times you're you're being asked to prepare for um, for the selection of of, a, of several different players. Um, and then, you you know, you obviously go to press with one of them. And, uh, and so you run down at you know, a certain point before you're on the clock 
and you know wait for the selection to be made or you know or a transaction to be made and then and then you run back to to your 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 team and execute from um, a dynamic if i can interrupt from a dynamic yeah. standpoint did you wait for somebody to come out of the room and tell you or are you no. standing like in a nearby hallway with the phone and they're texting you hey we are picking so and so are you standing in the room with your team and watching on tv and that's how, how yeah, did that come about you're watching on tv in a certain amount of time before before the team picks you, you make your way into the room. And um, so you're prepared and obviously you're, you're not there to, to interrupt or get in the way of anything. Um, but you got, you got a job to do and and usually they appreciate that. So, so you go in and, and, you know, don't make a, don't make a, um, a fuss, uh, get the information you need, get out. And then, and then shortly thereafter, you're, you're making um, the player available remotely and then you're making the um, the GM and and or coach available uh, in person, and then making arrangements for an introductory press conference with the player, um, usually the next day. Fielding all of that, okay. A couple of more fun in, ones, including including having to go to International Plaza, sending someone to interna International Plaza to, to buy uh, the previously mentioned player um, some nice dress duds. <laughs> Yes, uh, uh, that's interesting. And what he's talking about is right near the Buccaneers facility in Raymond James Stadium is a high-end mall, essentially a shopping mall. So that yeah. that does happen. Where hey, go get some, go get some different, uh, uh, go get some different duds uh, to bring them in. Uh, okay, a couple of fun ones because you made mention of this and we joked about this. We mentioned Adam Schefter. How often? I'm just curious. How often would Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport, and I'm thinking Jay Glazer too. How often would they bother you around this time of year and or trying to get access to uh, what the Bucks might be doing or not doing? Did they basically leave you alone? Did they bother you some? Well, I think during draft season, the preference for insiders to work with, with GMs, uh, coaches, and agents, and usually view people like me like an impediment. So mm -hmm. draft season, less for us. When they when they would want us as if there was a news making incident, let's say player X gets in trouble, um, mm -hmm. you know we're about to sign somebody, they're coming to town, want to line up interviews, etc. So um, you keep in touch with them a good amount, um, but they will not bother with the gatekeeper if they have a if they have a key themselves. And and Glazer in particular, who I love. Um, was very, very good at getting in with coaches and players where, you know, he'd show up in town and you wouldn't even know he was coming, right? He just, you'd walk out to practice and be like, what the hell is he doing here? Um, and, because, you know, because you didn't set that up, credential it or authorize it. Right. He's got it permission happens, from a coach right? or a player. And, <laughs> right. And, and it drives you crazy as a, you know, comms director. But if, if I were him, I would do the same thing. Like right. why, you know, don't ask for permission. Right. And, and so, you know, if these guys are good at cultivating the right people inside an organization, then they've got carte blanche and they're treated more like friends and family than they are like media, much to the chagrin of the of the press corps who are all grousing anytime a national reporter comes to town, but especially when they get the unfettered access, they're out on the field palling around with players and 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 you know the deal. So it's always like a little Marsha, 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 whatever. Oh whenever nice. one of the national guys uh, swoops in and gets all the access oh, on yes. a silver platter. Um, and by, and by the way, I love these kinds of questions. So feel free to, you know, you don't even have to embellish. 
Uh, you deal with this at all hours of the day and night. And Jonathan's married and a family man. And you, when you were here, your youngster uh, is around. How how late did you get a call from an insider on one of these things? Are we talking about like ten o'clock at night, eleven o'clock at night, where they're trying to trace something down, track something down? And oh sure. You? I mean, in jobs like this, you you really sleep with one eye open, uh, and and whether it's a coach, a GM, a player. Um, and, but you um, would get you know, a text, or a, you'd get a text or a call at eleven o'clock at night. I'm working so on I, something. I heard certainly. this. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and let's say a player gets let's say a player were to get arrested, and 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 you know that's routine in the NFL. Um, that happens usually in the wee small hours, and 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 then you and it's public by sunrise. So you know if you if you're either up or awoken by it. Um, your phone's ringing off the hook because the security director, the GM or the coach are calling you and, and, and want you to know that something happened. Um, it's yeah, there's, there's no assumption that there's time off, but in jobs like this, um, the lines are completely, you know, I, I want to say blurred, but they're really like just eradicated because for half the season from late July until January and hopefully uh, longer, um, there's no weekends off. There's no holidays. There's no days off. Even the closest thing you get to time off is on a home game Saturday after walkthrough, you might have the afternoon to yourself. Yay. Um, but for, for the most part, you belong to, to somebody else for half the year. It is interesting. And, and, and the off seasons, obviously no, not a nine to five job either. Right. And look at, look at what, what the, the spectacle that the draft and the combine and coach hirings and firings and all that have become. Um, so there's, you know, it's, it's hectic in the off season and just off the charts for, for the other six months of the year. Got to be available for all of this. Love the inside of Jonathan Grella with us here for a few more moments on the last word on sports media podcast. Again, a Jag public affairs. Jonathan again was a former vice president of communications with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has a, a huge, extensive PR resume, also huge fan of a lot of different sports and a lot of different things, and that segues us to Succession on HBO just for a minute or two. Rather than you and I do this off the air, I get the feeling that a lot of the audience that's out there is watching this. I don't know what the actual streaming or ratings numbers are, but I got to believe it is several million, if not tens of millions, that care about this and are watching this. Um, all right, give me a thought or two. We knew it was coming to this. We knew they said final season and we knew that it was coming to eventually they've got to throw things back into chaos. I, I, I let me back up half a step. I'm under the belief that most of the people know what we're talking about. If you don't know what we're talking about, this is the HBO show premise just real briefly on a, an elite eccentric multi-billion dollar family where the head of the family is like an overbearing crazy uh billionaire who is it's a modeled after raider. the murdoch family and maybe yeah. so all right but he's a yeah. billionaire corporate raider maybe modeled after the murdoch family and his children how can we say kindly are not exactly suitable heirs to the throne in every which direction it's dysfunctional it's crazy it's dramatic comedy at its finest but the premise of the show has always been who's going to su succeed, in this case, the Brian Cox character, Logan Roy, as the head of everything. And so we knew coming to this season, being the last season, they've got to start with who's going to replace him. There's got to be a succession. That's the whole premise 
of the show. All right, so now with that groundwork laid, were you happy, unhappy, lukewarm, average with how they wrote Logan Roy out, which is off screen basically that he has, a, and I don't think I'm revealing anything to anybody that doesn't already care about the show, that already doesn't know this from a few weeks ago. They wrote him out as having had a heart attack on a private plane that you didn't really see, that you saw them working on him. Were you fine with all that, or did you find it as I did a little bit weird? I love that they didn't save it for the end where you were waiting for it. I liked it that they were, they were even though the show is called Succession and it's all built around who's going to succeed this old man who's who's had some health challenges that they still managed to to uh, execute the seat, the sneak attack successfully. So I like that they went for it so early and they're going to let this this um, aftermath, the you know, the, the Logan Roy wake kind of simmer and, and develop. And I, I think it's great. Um, and and, you know, one thing you realize, uh, you know, in in his in his um after his passing, there's a lot more room for the characters to breathe um, and, and to be themselves, to not be afraid anymore. And I think you're starting to see all of them feeling themselves and, and, and acting a little bit less, um, less inhibited than they, than they had been before um, as they make their power moves and try to, um, you know, try to either uh, preserve what they have or, you know, or claw their way up to the top. Yeah, and we should make mention that the pilot of the show, setting everything into motion, is where he has what looks like a stroke or a medical episode, and he's going to be incapacitated or dead. And that sets the show into motion on who's going to succeed him. And then in the swerve, he comes back to health, and he's back in charge and ready to kick butt, take names on whoever was backstabbing him or whatever they were doing now that he's back alive, coherent, and in charge. And the show just works. Okay, so a couple more uh, on this, I have been on the uh, under the belief, and I am sticking to this with four episodes to go. I believe that Connor Roy, our guy, Logan Con, uh, heads. Uh, Con, Con uh, Alan Ruck, uh, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I don't remember the character's name on City. Uh, what was it? Uh, Spin City. When yeah. he was on that as well, I don't remember the character name, but he's been a longtime actor. I believe that Connor is going to end up with the Empire. That oh has my been God. my wild twist swerve that the ultimate it's better than swerve, Greg, I guess. Uh, that that Connor ends up with the Empire as the other ones have angled and backstabbed each other and themselves for the Empire. Are you on Team Connor with me or no? Uh, you can't go there? No, I don't know that I have a better alternative, but I'm going to take the field on that, uh, TJ. Okay. All right. So I, I love Connor. I love the con heads. I think I think it's that vanity presidential run is is fabulous, and of course I get a kick out of it from a political and media professional uh, perspective. Um, and uh, certainly, there's there's part of me that would love would love um, for the people who who went in early on cousin Greg, but that's not going to happen. I love Tom as well; he's here to serve, so right. that'd be great. Uh, but of course, my guys are Carl and and um, and uh, and. Um, and Frank, who are fabulous and and remind me of so many um, so many former colleagues of mine, um, we'll see what happens. And 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 obviously the. Um, Do you have an early betting favorite on who ends up with the Empire at the end of this? Ah, uh, damn! You're putting me on the spot. Yes, um, that's part of the deal. What's interesting, first of all, is that they these 
um, children did not want to sell the company. You could tell that, they, you know, you could almost anticipate that they were looking to blow up the deal because if all they wanted was to wear the crown and to either get their daddy's love or respect, um, depending on who, you know, which character we're talking about, that that just selling the thing would not enable them to to play, you know, play daddy and to fulfill and that. So, yeah. So they're going to they're going to hang on to it. Um, look, I think what's going to happen with the election is going to be is going to be big. I'm just going to guess that Madsen, um, you know, who's who's, I guess, styled after Trump uh, is is going to lose. And that probably puts, you know, you're going to think that Shiv is going to be ascendant because of that. Um, but I, I'm not buying her as, as a long-term head of the thing. Um, man. So that the people that oh. don't watch this show understand Shiv is the female. She seems to be the most competent of the children, but she's flawed. She's only uh, worked in politics and, right. and, and also other she's, She's the other two have too. far more demonstrated the brothers, and they're trying to run it right now at this juncture of the final season. CEO bros. They they are the CEO CEO bros. They are far more uh just unqualified, unfit, off off the cuff, don't know what they're doing, inexperienced, or as Logan Roy himself, Brian Cox, the actor, put it, you are not serious people. Uh, right before his and, death, and they you're are not serious people. They're not. They are not. And I, you know, I love that that's coming from Logan Roy, who I first fell in love with Brian Cox uh, when he was in Super Troopers, which is, you know, the opposite of serious. Um, does somebody say shenanigans? Anyway, the uh, uh, you know what? I'll put a dollar on Tom. Uh, Tom Watson, He ends but... up that he that Shiv's former husband, the head of the uh, the news division of the company uh, and the fictitious Fox News clone. Is going to end up with all of it. I'm telling you, there'd be the all-time swerve if it's Connor, the kind of misfit oldest son, <laughs> who uh, you had I to mean, appreciate how... as a guy in politics. You had to appreciate the dialogue back and forth about him wanting to maintain his one percent in polling for yes. president and trying to do everything he could to pay more money, get better. They're trying to take it his, away from him. From his what? They're trying to take it away from me. My one percent. I'm polling at one percent for this. It was absolutely outstanding. I, I I've enjoyed that so very much. I've enjoyed Hugo and yep. and uh, and uh, Carolina as the PR people. And do you see yourself sometimes in those characters having to do the damage control, put this out, and a lot of times they're sitting back going, "Okay, we'll do that." I mean, you do you see Jonathan yeah, it, yourself and your previous experiences in your roles? Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, and, and that's not that's the opposite of bragging, because it's very humbling when you are the communications professional and you're dealing with a high powered executive who, you know, doesn't want to hear whatever it is you have to tell them. But you're not doing your job. You could either like play small and try to fit in or you could try to bring value. And when you bring value and you play bigger, you're more of a target and, and you're going to be told to F off just like just like Hugo and Carolina constantly are. So we've all been there. Um, and that's just part of the deal. If you want to be close to power brokers, right. you know, being close to the flame has, you know, brings warmth, but also danger. Um, and so, so that, that part's been very interesting. I got to say my favorite, um, my favorite line, I believe from the season thus far has been when, um, when uh, was it Marsha uh, Logan's, 
now estranged um, uh, partner, she sends his his young paramour. He said, we called her a cab to go to the subway to go back to her small, her tiny apartment. <laughs> it's just yes. so belittling. One of like, the, right, you know, one we, of the peasants. Get the peasants out of here. Get this yeah, away from us. This almost, is... Yeah, you're almost the significant other of, of <laughs> you know, this titan of industry. But, but this uh, is shortly after while we're recapping the whole show and just doing a free thing for HBO Max here on Succession. But again, there's tens right. of millions of people that are watching this and care about this. This is shortly after Marsha, who's reemerged only in that one episode, I think. Yeah. Where she's brokering the sale of the penthouse condo with Connor, Alan hey, Ruck's Connor. character, and she spits on her hand and shakes his hand and he spits on it that she's selling the condo in the median price of $63 million instead of 60 or $68 million. Yeah. They're brokering it at the wake. Uh, for the Logan Roy character. And by the way, Brian Cox, we'll tie it back to sports. Brian Cox plays the fictitious owner of the Detroit Tigers when Kevin Costner's Billy Chapel is pitching the perfect game and for love uh -huh. of the game. Brian Cox is the owner who's made the decision to trade him and has basically told him, this is it. I've got to deal you because we're getting things in return and you make too much money. He's the owner in that. He's also a villain in the Jason Bourne movies. Uh, the born, uh, what was the first one? The born identity, and then the mm -hmm. uh, the born uh, supremacy or whatever. He's the villain with a big swerve in that. Um, so I saw an interview with him recently where he, yeah. he was saying that he was a guy that everyone knew was an actor, but they didn't know how they knew him. And now he said that everyone just comes up to him and says "fuck off." Yes, because of Logan Roy, because yeah. that's what he would always say. And yes, you're mm -hmm. right. Um, so it, we'll just see how that show plays out as uh, as the month of May plays out here. It is delicious. <laughs> it's tremendous. And you, I can imagine, you can identify with a lot of it dealing with PR in politics and sports yeah. and elsewhere and high profile and uh, and powerful people. All right, with that, have we covered it all? We did not really get into wrestling, although you and I will always devolve, and we could devolve for another 30 minutes here, but we'll devolve off the air, especially on 80s and early 90s wrestling and uh, uh, and what happens with those. Yeah, I, I'll just say this, you know, to make sure we do cover all the bases, TJ. I saw that, that Vice um, was having some financial issues. I hope that that doesn't... Um, pose any uh problems for the tales from the territories and dark side of the ring franchises um we've enjoyed them very much say this on the uh on the occasion of dwayne johnson's uh birthday that's um, correct the us, rock the uh, rock's the birthday today yes yes and and um right in the middle of the uh xfl championship push where my <laughs> dc defenders are about to bring home the bring home the championship um but, do you have dc defender swag do you you have yeah. DC Defender swag. He confirms yes. this for the XFL. Yes. Uh, we'll see how even, that goes. Even and though I, I, the one game I, I was able to make this season were, was thanks to the head coach of the St. Louis Battlehawks, who's a, a mutual friend of ours. Our guy, Anthony Becht. That's right. He lost they out on the playoffs in a tiebreaker at 7-3, and three, but they had 30000 a game at the Seattle at the uh, uh, St. Louis home games for the As uh, much for the as XFL. I love Reggie Barlow, I think he deserved consideration for coach of the year and and I, I, um, I, I could see uh, a very bright coaching future ahead for him. Yeah, and Anthony again played tight end did a bunch of broadcasting work here. Does a speaking of the Jets, a bunch of broadcasting Jets work in New York with the Jets, mm -hmm. uh, and also ESPN's college football, etc. Very media media savvy, and has worked his way all the way up mm -hmm. now to a head coaching role in the XFL. While we talk about that and their playoffs 
uh, unfolding here in a little bit. Back to The Rock, I'm going to pop quiz you. He he got a start knocking around in different territories, speaking of the territories, in Memphis. Trivia question, do you know what name he wrestled under because he uh, wrestled eventually under his father's name, the given name, Maivia? No, with, uh, that's, his, that's his, sorry, it's his mother's maiden name. Mother's maiden name that he wrestled under. Thank you for the clarification. But in Memphis, what was his name? Any idea where he, when he was in Memphis, he was not the rock. You know, this was after I, I would say the window closes right in 1990. It was, um, it was like Flex something. Oh, other, yes. Right? You could you deserve the 10 bonus points. Flex Cavana. Flex Cavana. Flex Cavana was a villain with Jerry Lawler in Memphis long before Lawler or anybody had any idea that he would become a billionaire, not only wrestler, but entertainment guru mogul and star mogul and who doesn't have a tequila company these days <laughs> and he does as well i think i might even among have among other things we'll well my kids my kids really Lex enjoy the rock show on nbc um which um gives us all a good education on the on the history of wrestling um if you haven't checked it out it's 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 a good and, and fairly wholesome show and it's actually brilliant speaking of media and, and i'm going to tie this whole room together right now we're where Dwayne Johnson, who's long been rumored to eventually want to run for president, the, the premise of that show, Young Rock, is where he is running for president like 10 years from now. And what's brilliant and clever about the premise of the show is that each episode has like a, you know, kind of a lesson learned, but he's telling the truth slowly about his past so that eventually if he ever was to run, he, he will have already told, you know, come clean about shoplifting as a, as a tween and, you know, all the other th shenanigans and, and, and hijinks he used to get up to as a kid. And it's, it's really clever that you're not only getting associating him with the presidency, but he's also getting all this bad, bad news out of the way now. So a stroke of genius <laughs> by, by my man. Um, I admire him from afar, but, but um He's he's pretty pretty special guy and uh, and certainly I I uh, I liked I liked his dad long before I ever liked him. Rocky was Rocky was one of my favorites as a kid. Love that. And again, the Rock's birthday is the occasion that we're bringing this up. You really think he might run for president? Yeah, I mean, why? Why? Wh who's who's not qualified? Right? Like, <laughs> true. Like people are talking. But you about can Oprah, make so much um, more money and have so much more of an enjoyable time in life than that. Oh, I don't know that he question. has. Yeah. If if to want it, you have to have a screw loose. You know, the people. Well, but who like for example, just while we got, no, I, I got you. They are different. Yeah. But he wanted to start a football league, and he even at the end of that Ballers series, the TV show, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, he almost made it an entree into I'm going to delve into this, and I'm going to own a league, and I'm going to challenge the NFL on health care, retirement benefits, all the things the players should get, and he and he basically made it a mindset and a game plan. And you're feeling that a little bit on Young Rock and presidency that it's kind of the same tea leaves. Why not? I mean, he's if you've got the influence, why not use it, right? And and so he's he's at the height of his superpowers right now. He's one of the most recognizable people in the world. He's one of the um, most, uh, you know, best paid uh, action heroes that there are. Ever, and, and ever. He, he can really do anything. So why not 
why not position yourself in the event that maybe 10 years from now that is of interest to you? Got plenty of time to bone up on the issues, right? (laughs) Well, because that's such a vitally important thing, apparently, these days to know the issues. All the issues. Who's think about, you know, where things are going and the kind of people that thrive in this climate, right? We talked about them earlier, people who are sort of above cancellation, who are, you know, who, who know how to, how to work the system as opposed to being worked by the system. And, and he's chief amongst them. So um, why not position himself for that? Should he want it down the road? And, and, you know, the, the funny thing about it is, is, is forevermore, Every four years, people are going to ask him whether he's running. He's allowed to say no, and it's going to be a story that when he says he's not running. (sighs) I love it. All right, my friend, uh, great stuff from Jonathan Grella. Again, JAG Public Affairs. You can follow him on social media at Jonathan Grella, spell it G-R-E-L-L-A. Good luck to your Jets. You've given me so much here on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast about uh, being in and out of that war room and the PR standpoint with that. We even talked succession. Did I, I did I pin you down? I'm taking Connor. I'm taking Connor to end I'm up. I'm going with the Tom Empire. Lonsgan. So Tom, even, Tom to end up with it just as the Tom. swerve. As just the swerve. Point. All right. Yeah. Just as the swerve on succession. All good stuff. Thank you, Jonathan Grella. You bet. And there you go. Love uh, Jonathan's insight on all these different subjects, including when it turns even to pro wrestling there at the end of the conversation. Again, follow him at Jonathan Grella. A spell it G-R-E-L-L-A. And Jag Public Affairs, jagpublicaffairs.com is his public affairs arm out of the Washington, D.C. area. Get a lot of experience in politics, pro sports, et cetera. Love Jonathan's insight on that. All right. uh, One thing left to do here for a few moments. What do we like? What do we don't like? And here we go. Love it or leave it. Boy, everybody did like the NFL draft coverage. As I mentioned, over 14 million watching across all the platforms on the opening night of the draft. You know, some mocked what was the NFL doing over a decade ago, going to just one round on a Thursday night in prime time. Well, there's no doubt now as they spread the audience out over the NFL network, ESPN and on network TV with ABC and garnered over 14 million not to watch a game. Not to watch a playoff game, but to be watching a selection process of college players. The draft. It's remarkable what this has become. So obviously the American public is loving the NFL draft and the process. And I really get into the Saturday part of this because that's where you really have to roll the sleeves up on who are these players. Fourth round turns to the fifth round to the uh, to the 300th player, the the sixth round, the seventh round. Uh, kudos to all of those different personalities and analysts. I know we had Charles Davis on this very podcast last week talking to the, uh, talking about relying on Daniel Jeremiah, Peter Schrager, and all the research help that they have with the NFL Network because you start getting into the fifth round, the sixth round, you're fatigued on the uh, third day of this coverage, and it's so many names and who's still left and what's the team's need. And by the way, we've been doing this for hours and hours and hours on Thursday night and Friday night and now back at it Saturday. Remember, there was a time period when this was all one day, usually on a Monday. Then it became a made-for-television Saturday thing, and then it got split up over Saturday and Sunday over two days. So the NFL draft has clearly become a Goliath. Let's continue. Love it or leave it. Another one on the love it category is for the NBA playoffs and in specific the game seven 
the epic a uh, 50-point performance, the highest point total ever in a Game 7, any NBA playoff Game 7 of any series, much less the finals, to see Steph Curry get 50 points in Golden State's win over the Sacramento Kings in Game 7 in Sacramento. Incredible performance by him and the public obviously loving the the uh, drama of, a, of an elimination game and one of the premier players in all of the sport, one of the premier players of the last 15 years of the sport, one of the greatest shooters the game has seen in Steph Curry going off, over 10 million people on average watching. I'm not going to go into the whole thing that I've done for the last couple of weeks about which is more prominent or popular the NBA than college basketball. I've made the strong case again, the strong argument, that college basketball apples to apples on network TV in the afternoon on a Saturday or Sunday, outdrawing the NBA. But still, that's a tremendous number for early on in the playoffs, and it bodes well for the NBA. And look, they got the New York Knicks and the Boston Celtics to make their way through uh, to the next round of the NBA playoffs. At the time we released the podcast, the Knicks have won game two to even up their series with Miami. And so the, the NBA has to be loving that part of it. The Celtics are there, and now Golden State playing the Lakers in a seven-game series, that's ideal. That guarantees that either Golden State with Steph Curry and, and Clay, Tom, uh, Clay Thompson and company makes the, the Western Conference Finals or the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis makes the Western Conference Final. That's going to be a huge ratings boon for the NBA. They are, without a doubt, uh, elated. They're not going to make a press announcement. They're not going to make a public service announcement about that, but they have to be elated. About all of this. However, there is one leave it. I'll, I'll hybrid the love it, leave it thing that the NBA spreading these games out already where the Knicks and Heat played on Tuesday night in game two and won't play game three until Saturday. Uh, again, you're damaging your own momentum and your own product. I know their argument is that they want standalone games during the week. They're trying to space it out. They want weekend programming and double headers. But there, there's no reason why you couldn't play game three on Thursday night and then a game four on Saturday. But they've pre-planned this, stretched this out, and it'll get even worse with the NBA Finals because if the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals are over early enough, you might have a week before the first game, a week before you play the first game of the NBA Finals. It kills every year they do this to themselves, self-inflicted. They kill the momentum. So while you're loving the TV audience, you're doing things to detract from the TV audience because you're spreading the games out way too far. I know the argument is, well, the NFL playoffs, they take a week or six days at least in between the games. Yeah, but the NBA has played an entire season of playing multiple times in the same week, three or four times in the same week. And here in this case, uh, you basically are going to play twice in six days for that Eastern Conference a series between the Heat and the New York Knicks. And it's it's going to be the same thing with the Stanley Cup playoffs, too. This spreading out, self-inflicting on their audience. All right, let's continue. A couple more. Love it or leave it. Got to love the fact that one of the big names in boxing is back this weekend. Canelo Alvarez will be fighting on the DAZN streaming service and their pay-per-view arm, also ppv.com, and the in-demand service will have uh, Canelo's return as the super middleweight undisputed world champ. Again, one of the iconic fighters of the last 15 years, a non-heavyweight. His first fight uh, in his home country of Mexico in over a decade as a world champion. He's fighting a little-known Englishman in John Ryder. This is more about Canelo than it is the opponent. 
And I, you know, I love the broadcast team of Todd Grisham and the Latin Snake, former world champ Sergio Mora on DAZN. So I'll be anxious to watch this this weekend and everything that's going to uh, unfold with that fight. Likely a Canelo easy win. Will Ryder give him a hard time or not? Again, Alvarez has been in uh, with the likes of Floyd Mayweather uh, and recently uh, has won world titles, beating Gennady Golovkin on a couple of occasions, including most recently last September. Uh, we'll see if Canelo doesn't win and win big, but I'll be very interested. I'm loving me some boxing. Our, uh, our brother podcast feed is the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. Check out Dan Rayfield uh, with me as our boxing insider. Dan, formerly with ESPN and USA Today. Great breakdown of boxing. Big Fight Weekend podcast feed, bigfightweekend.com. Check it out. Love it or leave it. And one more, I love the run for the roses that's coming up. The latest edition of the Kentucky Derby uh, as part of NBC's coverage of horse racing's Triple Crown. So they will run that race at Churchill Downs, famed Churchill Downs in Louisville. I have never been to this event. This is one of the ones that's on the bucket list still to go to. I've never been there either as a fan or covering it as the media. Always intrigued by this. The same way as I mentioned earlier the beginning of the podcast about the Indianapolis 500 or whether you're watching the tennis majors uh, later this summer with the French open and Wimbledon and eventually the U S open in tennis, U S open golf. And I'm a big golf guy, U S open in golf or British open champion, the biggest events and the Kentucky Derby is one of these. Uh, so I look forward to that and look forward to hearing what's going on. And by the way, our announcer schedules guys did a great job talking with Larry Colmas, the track announcer for NBC who does a very energetic, enthusiastic job on that call. Love me some calls of guys like Larry Colmas or the, the race announcers, the track announcers on this sport, uh, the different announcers that that call things like the Indy 500 or the, the tennis coverage, as we're mentioning, or the boxing pay-per-views. Love all of that, and, and we'll be all over whatever happens with the Kentucky Derby coming this weekend. So there you go. That's a uh, that's a uh, wrap on this edition of the program. Thanks again to Jonathan Grello with me uh, from JAG Public Affairs with some insight in and out of being uh, a fan of the NFL, but also working for an NFL team, dealing with the media. Hopefully you got something out of that here on the podcast and all the different uh, coverage and insight. Let's see what happens at the NBA playoffs and Stanley Cup playoffs whittle down. As I mentioned, Kentucky Derby. Uh, going on major league baseball season how about my tampa bay rays that continue to succeed who knew the biggest drawing card uh for this season with the two best teams to date so far the only two teams as we begin may that had 20 wins coming into the month of may playing each other in st petersburg the tampa bay rays and the pittsburgh pirates who had that with all the national coverage going gaga over the uh the dodgers the yankees the braves and rightfully so they have the brand names but the Rays and the Pirates saying, hey, what about us? I'm not going to sing Pink's song, hey, what, what about us? But what about us definitely for that series going on midweek in St. Pete. All right, for now, we're good. Again, stay locked in on the podcast feed, including for the extra features you want to be following or subscribing. Uh, again, George Offman, tell me a story I don't know. Hear his stuff here on this podcast feed. Also, Mike and Phil with announcer schedules. They are out later in the week, the announcer schedules podcast. Love their insight on who's doing it well with the announcers, and they bring you some great guests as well. All of that as part of the last word on sports media, and look for the last word on sports media daily. Five days a week on this podcast feed, you'll get a quick daily dose of what's going on with the news, the ratings, some takes, 
Not the full podcast form with all the interviews, but a daily, five days a week, midday, starting soon, here as part of the Last Word on Sports Media podcast feed. For now, we're good. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Find out more at lastwordonsports.com slash podcasts. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify to the Last Word on Sports Media podcast feed. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.